0: Where's Lee Briers? Here he is with a drop goal. Lee Briers. Line of through one. Line of through two. Line of the drive. Daryl Clark runs to the left to win it. Daryl Clark reaches and scores.
1: Hi, I'm Carl Fitzpatrick and welcome to another edition of the Rewired podcast. It's time to open up the vault again. This time, take a look back at the 2018 playoff semi-final victory over St. Helens at the Total Wicked Stadium. Joining me on this trip down memory lane are both wingmen from that day, Josh Churnlett and Tom Linen. Good evening, fellas. Hi. Looking at the 2018 season, uh, we had substantial change in the performance department and obviously Josh, you wasn't with us in 2017, but Tom, you was. Steve comes in, uh, Uh, Tony Smith moves on, Steve Steve comes in. What did
2: Steve bring to the team and what were the differences between the two coaches? Um, I was a massive fan of Tony. I thought he was, um, you know, a real character and he, he had his own methods and his own ways, which is very different from Steve. And I think, obviously, he'd been at the club a long time, he'd been successful, but the... Both Tony and the club wanted, you know, to go in different directions, and we needed someone fresh, someone a bit different to come in. And the first thing I think Steve did is he changed the culture. I think in the past, you know, the, the players have been very well looked after uh, by the the, the lucky enough to have all the directors and the board members that we do that you know are very generous. And I think Steve came in and he wanted to build a bit of a tougher mentality. So we did the we did the army camp in peaks in Yorkshire. You know, a, a gruesome two-day camp in the rain, uh, camping out, um, carrying all sorts of different stuff and equipment up up the hills in, you know, torrential rain and horrendous conditions. And from then, you kind of knew that he was trying to change the way we were, change our mindsets and, make you know, bring a real team ethos where you worked really hard for one another. And 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 you were, he always says about how how tough and resilient we've got to be, and that's what something that he implemented right from the start. Excellent,
1: Josh. You joined us joined us in March twenty eighteen from Rugby Union, obviously Sale Sharks. Tell us a little bit about how that move came about.
3: Uh, so uh, yeah, I moved from Wigan to uh, Sale in twenty sixteen. I spent eighteen months in Rugby Union, but I didn't play. I played. My last ever game, like seven or eight weeks before I signed up for Warrington. Uh, it was my first game that i have ever felt like I'd had no one to tell me what to do. And uh, yeah, just from then I, I didn't play for seven weeks and I was just getting frustrated. Didn't know what, what were uh, happening in the future. So I just had to make a call and yeah, Warrington were knocking at the door. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm thankful.
1: How did you find the transition, Josh, going over to Rugby Union? Had you played it in the past?
3: No, never played at all. No, I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, learning something new, it just tested the brain and, you know, making new friends. So, yeah, it was, it was tough, but, you know, I'm, I'm glad I did it.
1: Good stuff. Tom, if you recall, uh, early in 2018, our form was a little bit scratchy. Uh, we only won two of our first six games. New coach in charge. What was the move in the camp like? Was it a bit of concern? It, uh, was you confident you could turn it around?
2: I think it's always um, difficult yeah, when a new coach comes in and you have the pre-season. But obviously your international players are, are away for the entire pre-season. And that's the, obviously they're your better players than normally in the spine. So it was difficult for us to get a lot of, of our systems in place. With players being away, and yeah, we didn't have the best start, but we, we weren't far off. And as soon as you know the routine got in the training and we were able to put some time in together, we really built on without that. Because I said it was two from six, but then didn't we go? We went on a, a bit of a run, then didn't we? Yeah, no, we but, did.
1: We had a, we had a fantastic winner I recall, I think, away at Catalan, and we run nine, eight,
2: nine games, maybe, maybe more on, on the bounce. Yeah, and really, really hit on then. And I think sometimes when you have a manager comes in, then there's instant success because so there's a real turnaround and you don't know if there's been previous fallouts with the old coach and everyone's a bit rejuvenated. But with this one, in rugby, coaches are extremely different, you know, with their methods and their theory and philosophies. So it does take time. And as I said before, you keep players, you spine, you know, Repetition, 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 normally before it does come and then when it does come, you flourish. So Josh, fast forward to the end of the season
1: and going into the playoffs. Uh, similar to the start of the season, our form again is a little bit scratchy. Uh, during the Super 8, we win four, uh, get beat three times. Saints, I mean, unbelievable that season again. League leaders, quite 15 points more than ourselves. Uh, we got beat in the Challenge Cup final. What's the mood like going into the game? Obviously, we're, we're, we're raging underdogs. What was the feel? Was it confidence?
3: Yeah, I think throughout, throughout that game, uh, I didn't have any panic. And I know probably that half the team weren't panicking. Uh, you know, being underdogs, we were going there with nothing to really lose. So, uh, yeah, when we turned up there, we knew the plan. We took the plan and paid off.
1: Tom, it's fair to say your preparation for this fixture was mixed. Uh, a few games prior, away at Wigan, or I recall a high shot on Don Manfredi. You actually get a yellow card, but the disciplinary judge that it's uh, it, it's a three-game suspension. You decide to appeal the suspension, it gets reduced to two games. Unfortunately, you you end up playing against Saints, and, and which which we'll get onto shortly. But well, you just want to talk us through this process, uh, your appeal? How did the appeal come about? What did the appeal look like? Yeah,
2: so obviously that season, my um, I did I had a bit of a bad um, discipline track record. Uh, Steve kept telling me he wanted me to hurt people, and he always shows me the clips. I don't know the name of the player, but he's in the <laughs> NFL, and he just ends players all the time. <laughs> I, not not as good as that and I kept getting it wrong so I think there was three or four suspensions that year but obviously with the three games that had taken you to the semi-final and if if we'd have lost that we'd have been out and then if you if you win that do you change a winning team going into the grand final so would I have played so yeah we decided to appeal it and it was you know it was extremely formal I remember we left training we were on the field and we had to cut it short because we had to get over to Red Hall in Leeds so with the suits on, there was me, Kylie and Steve all um, travelled over together. And then we met the solicitor at the Starbucks in Round 8 and went through everything and then all travelled over to Redhall together. And it's a very smart, it's like an old stately home. You go in, there's a receptionist, you get a coffee. It's very, and then you go into the boardroom and it's a m- massive long table about, 12 to 15 chairs around it and you sit across the judge and two assistants, you have a big screen and you go up and I had to talk through, so I had to talk through step by step and I used the, the line of the seats in the stands and said, obviously, um, we were chasing the game, it, the game was in the balance, Dom would step back inside and he was going lower and I was actually swinging my arm to dislodge the ball in order to regain it, you know, give us a chance of winning the game and talked about having an open palm and not the direct eye of that was on the ball, not on him, there was no malice in it, it was mistimed, you, the seats obviously, he started, his head was in line the third row and then by the end when the collision was made it was on the first row and stuff like that. Talked it through and you've you got to be very polite lots of eye contact with the judges and then try and manipulate them into giving you the decision to take the <laughs> <laughs> Did you finish with, you can't handle the truth? <laughs> Say that again. Did you finish with, you can't handle the truth? <laughs> well, they were they were good, to be fair. They, they asked questions and you, there was a guy who represents the RFL, he put forward his case and then you, you're talking back and fro, Steve's um, jumping in, you're using it. We used the Jackson Hastings example so I think mine was Grade C, and we wanted to get it... Grade C is reckless, and we wanted to get it put down to a Grade B, which is careless. And they'd use the Jackson Hastings one. When he first came over, he, he, he tackled someone and creamed them, and he got sent off. But that was only given a Grade B. So that's what we were fighting for, to get, to get the same as that.
1: Interestingly, you mentioned there about the representative from the RFL that's trying to, do uh, you mean, uphaul a suspension? And when I used to go up in, in my previous position at the club and with, with the players, like, like Kylie did with yourself, uh, as you mentioned earlier, you'd be sat in a waiting room and you're actually speaking to the RFL official. I mean, all, all polite, all a asking how you're getting on. Then you go into the boardroom and he tries to grill you. Was that the case in this instance?
2: Well, the first time I went, that happened. So I was chatting away to him, having a nice conversation. And, and I was completely unaware that when you go in, he's the <laughs> one trying to get you the punishment. So this time I was ready for it. Good so man. Didn't engage with him as much, but uh, obviously he he then uh, he's changed his role now, and he works in the he works to do something with because when I went to PNG, he was on the board, you know, the World Cup committee or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's actually a really nice man. I had a good chat with him on the yeah, he is uh,
1: not name and a name, but he's a nice guy. Yeah, I know him. He is. It's one, it's one all with him now on my appeals. <laughs> oh, okay, good stuff. Fellas, ahead of the game, we had a special guest attend training and give us some inspiration and motivational words to help us prep for the Saints game. We had the Leicester football goalkeeper Casper Michael attend. Tom, what did Casper uh, say?
2: Well, when you obviously when you have guests come in, it, it normally goes one or two ways, and you're either you know sat there looking around the room waiting for it to end, or you're really gripping. he's really finding really gripping and, and completely enticed by him, and he he was phenomenal he was absolutely brilliant and he spoke about obviously the Leicester City story which is probably the the biggest shock in uh, to ever happen in English football and about how you know effectively the players you know have been rejected throughout their careers they'd all found themselves together at uh, Leicester with under Claudio Ranieri and they came up with a system where you know which was extremely successful for them and it was actually you know Bonding and going out drinking together, spending a lot of time together, you know, around each other's houses and, and, and partying effectively. After every game, you know, they had, they had drinks together and it really built, you know, a team spirit and camaraderie. So obviously, all the lads were loving this and like Steve, he listening, he listening. But then on the when he was talking about what they did in a game, when they were either winning and needed to hold out or they were drawing and needed to push the win or losing and, and tie up the game, they had a saying which was stay in the castle and they did they did a sign. So, obviously, the, the his speech was a huge success and afterwards when everyone said, Steve said, what did you think? And I was like, loved it. He's like, I feel we can take a lot out of that regarding staying in the castle. So, when we went into the game after, I think it's after my first try, I actually, Joe Filming's just come on the pitch and I'm walking back and I go to him Joe, stay in the castle and and you know, I'm saying it a bit in jest, taking the mick out of the situation, but obviously as well, right? We want to want to a good thing here Let's stick at it and, and grind this out. So we could you could relate in obviously a jovial way, but also the serious message that, that Casper had given to us in the in the previous meeting, which you know was brilliant. Super. Josh, what did you take from the from Casper's speech?
3: Yeah, I've had a, in the past I've had a few, you know. People coming in speaking, but yeah, like how Tom was saying, the the way they went about themselves, and you know, they they all enjoyed each of us company, and you know, that built on their success rate. So uh, yeah, we I think we took a lot from what he said, and we tried putting that into into uh, you know our culture.
1: So moving into the game, fellas, a uh, real tense tense opener. A couple of errors from either side. A couple of penalties. Uh, obviously the. Uh, the grand final appearances at stake here, guys. When you when you when you cross the whitewash, do you feel that you I mean, do you feel tense with with a game with uh, with such big re, big rewards, or do you feel relaxed once the whistle goes? How, how, how do you feel in the early stages of a game?
3: Uh, me, I, I'm quite nervous till probably about half-time. Oh wow! Yeah, I, my nerves start soon as I wake up. So, yeah, around half It once such... So, once I get my first carry in, it starts to ease off a little bit, but I'm still nervous till about half-time. But building up into the game, like I said before, that we had a plan and I, you could tell it in the changing before the game, everyone was relaxed. There were, there were no fear in what we were going to do and to so achieve. Uh, and yeah, I, like I say, I, I'm nervous till half-time anyway. Would you try and get an early touch then, Josh? I'd, I'd like to try and get yeah in the first set, but if it doesn't happen you know it, it's you' just got to try and buy your time and try and stay
2: you know composed Tom, what about yourself yeah i'm a bit different i don't i don't really get too nervous i um, obviously game day routine varies a little bit i'm not uh, not too bothered, particular about doing the same things, not superstitious and then I actually when we get to the 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 stadium an hour and a half before kick-off so there's a lot of waiting around and you get strapped and stuff but I'm always there kind of twiddling my thumbs and then actually enjoy getting out there in the game. I, the, the bigger the game the, the more I enjoy it so obviously when you have your your Saints and your, your Wiggins, your Leeds is, and there's a, there's a real big atmosphere you know I thrive off that and regards getting involved in the game obviously if your first few touches are good then you build confidence and you can really enjoy the game but then it can also go the other way and if you, you have a bit of a stinker early on it can really affect you and you can try too hard to bounce back and so on so the the the, the games where there's a lot of pressure on uh I feel brings the best out of me and it's the the other ones where you know there's not so many people in the crowd, and my concentration's a bit away with the fairies. They're the ones that I need to work on. I
1: always, I always think that playing in the backfield, you mean two wingers and full-back, you've got to be uh, psychologically robust. Because if you make an error in those positions, it tends to lead. You mean for a, to a try. I mean, if you drop a ball, miss a tackle, do you mean get a decision wrong on the fringe? It tends to lead in in a try. So do you mean I sympathise with you with uh, you're under enormous pressure.
2: Yeah, obviously you are kind of the goalkeeper aren't right? you and you're, in the, you're in the last line of defence, and if you, you you can be quite vulnerable out there if it's all gone on the wrong on the inside and you're left, you know, with a three on one, two on one, you you, you guess at who to go for, and you can look quite stupid at times, so. The the, so important, you know, your defenders on the inside, how we we talk a lot about how you work from five-man and four-man and and their roles, and that's to, you know, make your job easier. So I really think if if your defence is... If you've got a brilliant defence, it never gets to us because your centre kind of squashes it and it's all done before that. But if it gets past that, you're in big trouble.
1: (laughs) So, Josh, we trade penalties. The game is locked at two apiece. I just want to touch on one of the Saints players here who was a significant threat throughout 2018. And that's Ben Barber. He was the man of steel that year and at times simply unplayable. However, in this game, it was nearly ominous. What was the tactics and discussion around Ben Barber?
3: I think just to try and... We were trying to rattle him. I know we were putting some eye-hanging kicks in there, just trying to hang time on the ball. And as soon as he got it, you know, we are trying to... Not hurt him, but... Try and disrupt his uh, his game and his his game plan. Uh, yeah, they like say if we give Ben Barber the space and time, he he was, he was a lethal player, uh, and he turned practically something into you know. So uh, yeah, we 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 did put a, a good game plan on him, and like say, we're just trying to take him out of the game. And uh, if if he's not playing well, half the team you know isn't playing well.
1: Tom, going on to your. Earlier points and, and Steve's message about hurting players, albeit I know he's trying to convey, obviously in a in a legal uh, in a legal way. Was that the message for Ben Barber as well?
2: Yeah, we did a, a lot of review on the, their types of play and their strength, and it was it's difficult with players like that because they've, they've got everything, so they've got the pass. So you can't give them time to get that away. They can find the centre and the wing. But they've also got the step as well. So if you're banking on them pass and you come on their outside shoulder, they'll step and beat you back on the inside. So you can do too much review on a player. Obviously, if you keep watching the highlights and really seeing how good they are, then you know, you're know you going to be thinking, oh dear, how am I going to defend this? So it's about getting the right balance and obviously having the faith, as I said before, on those defenders around you. And we we looked into him and yeah, we managed to do a, a really good job on him. But a, a lot of it was you know, it was a cycle, it was completing. We used to we, we always kick behind Regan Grace and, and try and, you know, force errors out of him, but he was sitting on the end of the line, so Barber was in that far corner. That meant if we had a good line chase down the middle, you know, it, it, it deterred his threat of skipping across and getting a quick play ball. It, obviously the cycle continued. continue, the forwards worked really hard and in turn that limited their field position so they couldn't do the shift plays and, and it went like that and obviously we were in the grind for long periods of time and they were going for the kicks and we managed to get the tries and he didn't have his best game on that occasion and lucky enough for us obviously we, we got the win and onto to the grand final. Yeah. The only other score in the first half was a Danny
1: Richardson uh, drop goal, which puts the scores at three-two to Saints. So going into the sheds, uh, albeit losing, there must have been a sense of uh, optimism and confidence around the team. I mean, we've 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 kept Saints. I mean, we've, we stopped getting Saints scoring in four minutes of rugby league, and and in twenty eighteen he was averaging what? He was averaging nearly thirty points per game in scoring. I mean, and only the season before we were averaging uh, the 24 twenty four twenty four points per game conceding. So what what did what did Steve Price's coaching team do to address the defence
2: and make it a lot more steely I think we we throughout that year we we'd always been competitive with them for periods of the game, but not the full eighty minutes. And when we'd reviewed and and previewed for the game, we knew that we had to put. A complete 80 minute performance. So, the, what the, the coaches will do is they'll cut up previous games and show how well we've we've played for that period of game and what we've limited them to. So, we knew for 80 minutes we had to put it together. And I think throughout, as you said, there it's three to a half time, they've not scored. Um, you know that it's working and buying in, and we've got the confidence in our attack that we'll be able to put points on the board if we just stick at what we're doing and keep building and building. So, obviously. People get tired um, through the game, and they'll be struggling. And it's all about that's what the team, your team ethos of been tough and resilient, and helping each other, and your camaraderie as a team, and how tight you are comes in because you've got the person outside you, the person inside you, you know, who's going to put their body, give a hundred percent for you, and when in your time of need, when you're struggling, and you've got him there saying, "Come on, I've got you," you know that builds confidence and, and you you find that next level. And I think, obviously, on the occasion and how big it was and the reward at the end of it, we were able to find that level and put in, you know, a complete 80-minute performance.
1: I mentioned Ben Burr, but Saints have got threat threats throughout the team, including the guys that you're up against. Josh, you're up against Regan Grace. What is it about Regan that you need to be worrying about?
3: He's a wiry customer. You know, he's got... He can step off both feet, he ducks, he... Uh... You know, he, sh- he throws that dummy and goes on to people. So, yeah, he's a very elusive player and you don't know what you're going to get with him. It can be, you know, as soon as you blink, he's in a different place. So, you've got to be uh, yeah, you've gotta be on him straight away.
1: Tom, likewise, you're coming up against Makinson, Tough customer.
2: Yeah, he's always a brilliant player. He's got everything, you know. He's, he can catch, he's fast, he's strong, he's a great work effort, unbelievable finisher. So, you know, you're up against... Um, a, a big task whenever you do play against him and that always brings out the best of me I like playing against a winger you know where he's tipped the, the best winger in the country he gets a lot of hype a lot of talk about him and rightly so so obviously when you play against him you need to be on, on top of your game otherwise you can get embarrassed so always brings the best out in me
1: and going to ask you now fellas obviously you've not come up against one another directly in your previous lives uh, however what would have been on your tip sheet when he was in the opposition's team. Josh, I'll let you start first. So what would your tip sheet say about uh, about Tom?
3: Tommy, playing with him now, you know, he was always the person to get the sets going. So uh, I think on our tip sheets, you know, it was just to handle the back three, which probably we have on our tip sheets as well now. But Tommy was always the one to get, you know, Hull going. And once we once we controlled Hull back three, you know, we, we started to take control. But yeah, Tommy was up there with uh, one of those that we had to keep an eye on.
2: Tom? When we, when I was at Old Wigan with the, the dominant team, I think Josh used to go like 40 tries a season and we used to review their shift plays and there was, there was nothing like it. They had so many options and Sam Tompkins, he was in the, his fine form and we were reviewing it and you were thinking, how do we stop it? And obviously Josh was always on the end and We've, as we've seen many times, you give him half a chance, and he'll score you two tries. So it was all about the damage control when we played Wigan, and then trying to restrict them their opportunities and, and getting the ball to Josh really. And, and we didn't do it very well.
1: <laughs> as I mentioned, we're going at half time slightly behind, three-two. What would uh, what would Steve's message be, Josh? What, what's what's the theme? How would he approach this? Uh,
3: he's not really one to rant. Uh... It was quite calm, I think, at the halftime. He knew that we were we, were, was, we were there or thereabouts, you know. Like he said before, they were we had them where we wanted them, and uh, yeah, we just had to, you know, we had this game plan where we had to stick to it, and you know, like Tom was saying, you need to play for that like eighty minutes, and you know, it, it all come it all come together. Tom, do you recall the halftime uh, for this fixture?
2: Oh, I can't recall what what he's what he, exactly what he said, but he's he's not really one. He has, on some occasions, you know, come in and, and gives a rollicking, you know, when things have gone wrong. But whenever you're in the game, he more goes around and talks to you individually. Says, you know, a couple of positives, a couple of constructive criticism that you need to work on. And that was more about like look, look the the formidable St Helens, you know, who haven't been touched all season, at one point ahead. We're in the game, he'll read out a few statistics and then he'll say, you know, what we need to do and and, and raise the give belief really to the to the team, say what the strengths that we've been doing how we can exploit them if we just tweak this you know the the positive effects it'll have and yeah it's a very calming environment and obviously you then discuss with you he will sometimes say right right side middles left have a chat see what you can work on you know just so you're all on the pe- same page and when you go back out there you all it, it, we've got a saying it says 100% clarity 0% confusion and I think that's the message he likes to get across at half-time, is what we need to do in the second half to go on to win the game. Well,
1: there was a bit of confusion straight after half-time when Saints scored first. Uh, the tricky kick through from Richardson and Luke Douglas ended up pouncing on it. Steph was unable to handle it.
0: This now, Richardson again, slides the kick in, looking for Ashworth. Oh, it's bouncing around all over the shop. It's a try for Luke Douglas!
1: what was said behind the post so as I mentioned earlier we were going in at half time albeit uh, one point behind but we kept saying this sucks goalless, and then only a couple of minutes after half time
3: we're behind the sticks
1: what what was said and what, what is the process behind the post Josh
3: I can't quite remember but started this year you know we've got uh, where Steph stands in we've just got one eyes I know sometimes at the back of the sticks people can be shouting things from everywhere and there's no, like I say, what Tommy was saying, 100%, uh, clar- uh, I can't remember. Clarity. I that. <laughs> clarity.
2: <laughs>
3: That's me. Clarity on that. But we we all need to be on the same page. We can't be going off from them taking the kick and everyone thinking, what's going to go, what are we are going to do next? We all need to know. So, yeah, we just need one person to talk. And, yeah, we've got that this year. And, we like say, back in '18. Uh, I think we all just relaxed and stayed calm because we knew we we had them where we wanted them. We we just like I say we slipped up with that early try.
1: I mentioned Steph that Unusually, wasn't able to clean up Richardson's kick. Tom, what Steph like to play with? Obviously, he completes the
2: back three with yourself and Josh. Yeah, the, I think fullback is the hardest role on the on the pitch. The 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 research and preparation they have to do on every team is ridiculous obviously with from what the, the kickers are to what the 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 forward players do around the rock on try line he's got to organize his defense you know it's, it's a really tough job and whenever you have full people covering a fullback Steve will always say where are you what do you do here and, and I wouldn't have a Scooby Doo, and often the fullback coming in, you know, panics and says about three options before getting the right one. But Steph always has the answer to everything. He knows exactly where he needs to be, at what point, and he's a real, he's real the brains really behind the operation and the fact of how well he will organise his defence and his troops, and you know, steer the ship really and get everyone. Working together and he does a fabulous job, really good organiser. And you know, he's the utmost professional. I think that's obviously why he's had such a long and successful career because of how he is, um, and, and how he lives his life really. And, and the work he puts in and the, the meticulous process to being 100% prepared for each game is brilliant in that, in that respect.
1: So, 44 minutes into the game, we cut the deficit, a superb try. By Jack from Jack Hughes, showing nimble footwork.
0: Here comes Jack Hughes, oh, now then, it's opened up for Jack Hughes, suddenly, Ben Barber, I think Hughes might get this down, I think Hughes might have got this down, Barber on, thinks mate. he's done enough, yeah, it's another decision on the way for James Child, the video referee, and what a response it will on, be please. from Warrington if they get this, I'm it's gone will. up as a
1: try. Josh, obviously you played with Jack uh, at Wigan, and sometimes I feel that he can come under the radar. and doesn't always get the headlines. He gets gets through an unbelievable amount of work. How valuable is Jack, not only on field, but also for the off-field culture as well?
3: Yeah, very valuable. Uh, yeah, so I've come through the ranks with Wigan at Jack and <clears throat> he was always that player that, he said never got the mention, but always put in a good shift. He was always consistent, never never dropped the ball, never missed the tackle. Uh, and, you know, he's, he's been like that since he was about fourteen, fifteen. 15. So uh, yeah, to be alongside him now, being a co captain, it's uh, yeah, it's good because you know he's he's learnt the he's learnt the tough way really. At, you know, being at Wigan and then getting moved on to Huddersfield and he's built him up and yeah, he's uh, he's certainly the, the better player now. And you know, he's he's took that role on as being co captain, and he's he's trying to put his, his mark down a little bit in, in some ways. So, were you were you surprised that Wigan let him go? Understandably, they had, Tom, they had
1: Tomkins and Farrell obviously in the back row at the time as well.
3: Yeah, it was, it was hard for a young lad probably coming through at the forwards because Wigan at the time, were, there was a lot of, like you said, they had Hoffman was over at that time as well. So, there was, there was them key positions were hard to, to get game time. So, uh, yeah, Jack just needed to take his opportunity you know and he had to move on. So, Richardson kicked a the penalty. There's
1: not much in the score now. Stairns leading 11 6 Tom, you score your first try.
0: Clark. Down the left hand side to Brown. Wide to go to Goodwin. Here is Lynham! Lynham scores! Lynham scores in the corner for Warrington. Things to check for Robert Hicks. Try on the field though. A nice
1: pass off Bryson Goodwin.
2: Firstly, what was Bryson like to play outside? Yeah, he was he was brilliant. He's the the most aggressive man I've uh, I've ever played with. He, honestly, in the, in the games, shouting and screaming any opponent you know that tackled him in a certain way or put their hands in a certain place, he was fuming and just wanted you know to ruin their lives. But he was a great bloke. He was ridiculously strong. Obviously, if you look at him physique wise, he was very slight, very very toned, and didn't look as strong as he was. If you get know what I mean, and he would he'd just throw people off. The, some of the carries he did, some of the breaks he'd made from nothing. I think he was just ridiculously strong, ridiculously aggressive, and, you know, he was great to play with and a, and a really good bloke as well. Despite the the
1: great pass off Bryson, the try still needed scoring some, and I think it was intelligent and brave play by yourself, by you going low and early, letting the momentum go up, letting the momentum uh, to take you over.
2: Is that something you would practice? It is, so. With the Depending on the terrain, some pitches... The, a water before the game, and then again at half time, so you can you can slide, you know, five six meters if you need to when, when wet. And then some pictures they they'll be really wet, but they dry instantly. You know, I don't know what they've they've gone underneath the surface, and and I've messed a couple up. There was Leeds last year. I was going for the corner and I tried to slide about four meters out and slid about a meter and just stopped dead. And uh, one of the Bisco brothers just knocked me, knocked me into touch. So it's embarrassing when it gets wrong. I think at Wembley when we played Catalan in the first half, I had tried this loud where I slid in from about five meters. But in the second half, I tried it again. First tackle from a scrum, slid about two meters, and then David Mead knocked me into touch. So if you get it wrong, you look stupid. Looking up on this occasion, it came off and I was able to get the try.
3: Yeah, I
1: think you've got more right than you've got wrong though, Tom, to be honest with you. I can recall a number of times you've executed this play excellently, mate. Thank, thank you, Carl. <laughs> 68 minutes, Richardson kicks another drop goal uh, and the scores are level 12 all.
0: Last tackle, Richardson's back in the pocket. No, they're coming this way. Now it's from Lomax to Richardson. Here's the drop goal attempt. To kick it. The crowd will tell you that. Robert Hicks will confirm it. The scores are level. The scores are level, and we've got less than 12 to go. From the resulting kickoff, Steph
1: puts the Steph puts the ball dead, uh, and Saints attacking our half again. Richardson hits another drop goal, 13-12. And if you recall, the drop goal hits the bar and goes
0: over. Richardson's back there again. Another one-pointer. After bar and over. Oh, well, when things go for you, they go for you. Guys, he
1: thinking then this is not gonna be our day. What's the chap walking back to the halfway line?
2: I think obviously when when stuff doesn't happen like that and the crossband go over, you think, Oh god, the the gods against us here. And if you remember back to early on in that season he kicked they got a penalty on just past their own half with in the last minute of the game and he kicked it and he thought, sure, you know. Yeah, at that time, Danielson was was a bit of like, you know, the up and coming, the the golden boy, the the next Sean Long they were saying for Zen Ellens, and everything was coming off. But in that moment, you can't can't dwell on it and think, oh, it's not meant to be. You know, you just got to get back to your systems, get in the process, get in the grind, and, and have trust that, you know, you will get your opportunities to score points. And when you do, you've got to be clinical and take them.
1: Josh, would you agree with that? You've played a number of big games previously at, uh, at your previous club.
2: Yeah,
3: definitely. You know, you just, there's that game plan. If you slide away from that game plan and one person goes away from, what, 17 or 16 had to do it, you know, it does throw the boys. So, yeah, we was all on the same page. There were, there were no, like I said, there were, there were no fireheads. There were no one wanting to step out of the line and try and win it themselves. Everyone was on the same page. And, yeah, we got through that game. So just
1: over 73 minutes, we're behind 13-12, uh, clock ticking down. We're 30 metres out, it's play four. Everyone's expecting us to go for the drop goal and level the, uh, level, level the score. We don't do that. It's a brave play, we push the pass, which results in Tom's score, which I'll get, into, get onto shortly. Uh, but we, we don't go for the drop goal, we go for the big play, we go for the pass, we go for the brave play. Was that planned, Josh, or was that something that was ad hoc?
3: No, I think we, we, we do get to points. And like Tom was saying before, you have teams that wingers centres might come flying out. And I think we got to the far post for the slingshot line to go. And luckily enough, it, it come off and, you know, Tommy's doing his, uh, his slide in the corner. Tom, do you, do you, rec- do you recall the play... Do you Recall
2: setting up for it or expecting us to go for a drop goal? Yeah, so we planned all week for a play called Slingshot where we, we took right in and you run a parallel line with the person inside you towards the corner. And we know that Makingson and was it Negua, was Naguama the centre? Was it who was the centre then? Right in Morgan, yeah. And we've done a lot of work on them that they were. That they, they jam but there was a delay they were a bit disjointed so we thought you know we can exploit this and planned with, with the tux today all week went over and over and over and I remember Lee Briers you know being really particular about how well we executed it and, and repetition of making us do it until we got it right and then obviously 73rd minute we ship across making some flies in Bryson gets it I was actually Technically, from how Lee would have liked it, I actually would have got it wrong because I'm too wide and need to be tucked more in. But obviously, just the. <laughs> and if I... However, if I hadn't have scored, I'd have been in his uh, in front of his laptop Monday morning going through it. So play comes off, and obviously running down the wing. I think it was Richardson was covering, and I actually have the ball in the wrong hand. It's in my right hand, yeah. and it should be in the left. So I kind of. Saw him and thought I'd do a bit of a shimmy where a bit of a stop and go. Managed to get around him and then obviously with my hand in the right, Barber was coming across really hard and I think he thought I was going to do the slide again, get underneath him. So he kind of overcompensated for that and I was able to step back inside and get over the line. But made a last-ditch attempt but I kind of had the momentum and was able to swing my arm around and get the ball down. You're right, and, and
1: similar to your first try, you made a nice pass off for uh, Hyson, but inside that was a lovely sublime flick from Stefan Ratchford. Uh, and as you say, you beat two players and had the strength to carry Peary over the line.
0: If Warrington going back to the middle, you can almost read their minds. They're having a shot, They're looking for the try. They're looking for the try, why wouldn't they? It goes wide to line them. them through one. Lynam through two. Wow. Lynam gets the try. Lynam gets his second try. It's not given yet. Yes. It's not given up. yet. Time it's another decision for James I'm Child, for, I, I think, on the way. What do you want me to get for? Lynam's convinced he scored. So is the touch judge. so is the referee. And Warrington edge ahead again. Tom Lynam back from two out suspended has come back and scored two tries and it could be the night for Warrington. It could be the night that Warrington get back to Old Trafford.
1: I want to ask you both this question. During these, these moments, uh, these massive plays, what are you thinking? Does it appear that the time slows down, that you're in slow motion? What actually are you feeling, are you thinking when you're going through
3: these big plays? I just look at the whitewash and that's my aim, that's my target, I've got to get to it. Is it autonomous, just? Is it, is, it, is, it inst-
1: is it instinctive now that you've done it for so long?
3: Yeah, I've, even though we're doing like uh, in training, like little scrimmage where we, it's just like team tick and pass, really. Do you know what I mean? I'm I'm still trying to run my lines, and I'll be stepping. I'll be trying to practice like my little one hand. Di- I'm not diving, but I'm I'm putting myself in the position if it if it does come to it in a game, I'll I'll just pull it out of the bag. Tommy, what about yourself?
2: Yeah, I think you you, you you zoom in on the on the whitewash and where you can score. Obviously you've got to normally the covering defence are coming pretty quick, so you've got to make a, a decision, you know, in the moment, are you gonna go for the corner, are you gonna step in, have you gotta do a dive, have you have you gotta go low? And it's the your ability as opposed to get that right ninety percent of the time, because that's what you as a as a winger, you know. Opportunities can be few and far between, so you have to be clinical and you have to get that nap for, for, for scoring, you know, tries in half opportunities or, you know, just giving them a glimpse and be clinical and getting that ball over the line. So as just said there, there's a lot of things you do in training just in your own mind where you're practicing your body angles and putting it in which hand and your fend and, and twisting and turning. So when you do get the opportunity in the game, you know, you, you have a high success rate.
1: So, Tommy, you scored your second. There's unbelievable scenes in the away end. There's also unbelievable scenes. Pitch side, if you recall, Steve Price's passion, you know what I mean? It was fantastic to see. Is that something you like to see from your coach? Is a passion on the sideline? Or would you prefer to cool calm, sat, sat in the stand? Admittedly, different games require different approaches.
2: Yeah, I think if it's an everyday league game and... You know, you just win normally you, you wouldn't want them to be over animated because obviously, then that could affect that the, their emotions are all over the place and there's no real you know consistency. But on the on the big occasions like that, I absolutely love to see that. You know, that's just pure passion. He's he, we've scored late on. It's been a, such a tense game, uh, points to and fro. I think the league changed six times or something in that game. And that's just you know that's just come from the heart, Steve. You know, he's animated, he's buzzing. And he just, you know, let it all out there. And I think on the big occasions with the, the late winners, you know, that is, there's nothing better than seeing you coach that because you know, you know how much they care. It's fantastic to see. Gosh, that's something you like to see?
3: Yeah, yeah as Tom was saying, it, it shows how much he cares about the boys, how much he cares about the team. And, you know, the passion he showed, uh, yeah, he'll go down for a while. I think he'll remember that for a long time, will Steve.
1: Yeah, it, was, it was sensational, sensational TV. Obviously, the final whistle goes. We've won the game, off to uh, another grand final uh, at Old Trafford.
0: Still the ball finds its way out of touch and Warrington are there. Warrington are through to the grand final 2018 and such joy on the terraces, matched by joy on the field and matched by joy of the coach and a former chairman. Warrington are there. Justin Holbrook's league leaders are denied. Heartbreak for Johnny Lomax. Delight for the Warrington Wolves. And super Benny Westwood is on his way to Old Trafford. And Ben Barber is on his way home. Tom, what was it like
2: post-game? Obviously, with any semi-final, your celebrations are reserved because, you know, the big ones coming up so even if it's with a challenge cup they always say let's delay it so, you know let's don't go wild now get, we've got the final that's the big one you get that one and then you can you know let loose and obviously the the grand final there's a lot of players have a lot of media responsibilities and the clubs obviously then got to organize everything so it's, it's very busy very hectic time you then you normally know, went we had to wait the next day obviously to see who we were playing Uh, regards Wigan Wigan and Hull and then the coaches have got to you know clip all that up get um, preview ready players obviously need to get your bodies was such an intense game you've got lots of niggles you saw you've got to get your body right for the big one the next week so there's actually not that much celebration from the team after a semi-final it's it's all put on hold you know for 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 after the final Josh what was you like post-game?
3: Yeah buzzing you know coming back Back to uh, Rugby League from Union and, you know, being in two finals in a short space of time was massive and, <clears throat> you know, like I said, when we were waiting to find out who was playing and it come up with it Wigan, you know, I was a little bit anxious but, you know, I wanted that bit of revenge but, you know, it was one of those where you wanted to, uh, you know, do well against your own team so, yeah, it was, it was good times.
1: Excellent. Guys, Thank you so much for the fantastic insight that was excellent.
2: Please stay safe. Thanks for having us. See you, yes. later. you
3: can ease It is
2: it.